This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. People in this country might have that, that kind of change. But uh, anyways, Connell, right. thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You we'll too. catch you on Monday. Uh, hello and welcome to The Hill here on News Nation. We'll get into all of that here momentarily along with this for the first time in a long time today we heard from melania trump back in washington not far away from the white house what was she doing back in the nation's capital we'll get to that in a moment plus terror suspects linked to hamas arrested for allegedly plotting attacks on jews one former fbi official who's been warning that we could see events like this here at home will speak with us in moments and is the clock running out when it comes to possibly banning TikTok? Chris Steyerwell explains where the country is right now on that front. Thanks for being with us here on the Hill on what has become a busy Friday. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by the aforementioned Chris Steyerwell, News Nation political editor and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Julia Manchester is the national political reporter for the Hill. Antoine Seawright is a Democratic strategist and the CEO of Blueprint Strategy. And Rebecca Heinrichs, senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. Come on in. Thanks for being with us here on the Hill on News Nation on what has become a very, very busy afternoon. Hello to you all. Nice to have you in. So um, I want to talk about, as we start off, things that have happened in the last 24 hours and in the last 24 minutes, I guess you could say, <laughs> and points in between. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, as we were just discussing, $148 million civil judgment against him, Chris, for comments that he made against two Georgia election poll workers. Uh, saying that the election there, that they basically took, took place in voter fraud, um, didn't happen. And now we see Rudy Giuliani hit with this. Um, is this an isolated thing, or you think this is just the beginning of what's about to come? Well, you had today, uh, you, you just showed the video of Melania Trump at the National Archives. Yeah. And you have here the juxtaposition of the two realities that the Trump campaign is wrestling with. Hmm. So on the one hand, you have a person who is liked by mainstream America. She was at uh, uh, Rosalind Carter's uh, funeral, uh, normalizing, doing normal kinds of things. Right. Hey, another Trump presidency is normal. It will be okay. And then you have this. And this is, I believe, the technical term in political science is a train wreck. This is a <laughs> disaster where you, if you're Donald Trump, you never want Rudy Giuliani anywhere saying anything to anybody. But certainly you do not want this spectacle. So the, these are the two these are the two extremes that the that the former president and his campaign are going to have to keep trying to steer through. And you think this this sort of keeps troubles in the spotlight for Trump and this is just the beginning and therefore it could sort of not snowball from here or like what does it mean going forward when you have two candidates uh, as the as the republic soon will it appears uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in Iowa and New Hampshire but if you have two candidates who are broadly disliked uh, as we did in 2016 what do you get 
when uh, you, you're in the news. Your numbers go down. It's mm. bad for you. The news has been all about Joe Biden, and it's been bad news about Joe Biden for months and months and months. Donald Trump has benefited from people saying, yeah, I don't know. He was crazy, I guess, but the economy was better. Things were maybe better under Trump. The more Trump is in the news, the worse it will be for Trump. You agree? I don't know. Here's this other narrative, which is that everything's unfair. That this is, there's, there's like two systems here, $150 million about Rudy Giuliani that's clearly motivated by political animus. And so you might have a reaction from Trump supporters that say, look, this is further evidence that they're coming after us because it's coming after Giuliani. They're going to go after Trump because it's us who they really, you know, don't like. And so I just keep thinking, Rudy Giuliani, this was the post 9-11, you know, yeah, patriotic unifying guy, yeah. hero. Yeah. And he really has uh, really, really has fallen. Is, is this one bad? Bad news is good news or for Republicans like like she's sort of right. I guess that's one way to say it because it brings up the two tier justice system argument or not necessarily. Let me take a different approach. OK, justice delayed is not justice denied. There are a lot of people who have lost confidence in the judicial system, particularly black folks, people who look like me, like the two ladies that he accused of election fraud. And so for people who've lost confidence in the judicial system, they've seen break for some and bend for others. This is a step towards accountability and saying that the system can be fair hmm. and the system can work. Also, I think this sets a precedent for the future because Rudy Giuliani will not be the first, and I'm sure he's not the first, and he will not be the last who will go on the attack when it comes to accusing people of election fraud or all the things of denying election results. And so I think the judge is sending a message, or this verdict sends a message that we're not going to tolerate this because if there's one thing in this country Americans agree on, agree on Democrats, Republicans, independents, anything in between, is that when an election is over, the results are accepted and embraced. I think what you saw, what, 20 minutes ago in the last half hour is a sneak preview of mm. what we could see next year. We've been talking so long about these trials, whether it has to do with Giuliani, the Trump civil uh, trial in New York, the Georgia case, so on and so forth. Right. But we are now seeing results and we can probably expect to see more, obviously, next year. All right. So uh, that was, I, what did I say, like the last 24 minutes mm -hmm. on to this morning. And look at who we saw at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. today. My personal experience of traversing the challenges of the immigration process opened my eyes to the harsh realities people face, including you, who to try to become U.S. citizens. You are American. Be a beacon of inspiration for your children and those who follow in your footsteps. That, of course, the former First Lady Melania Trump speaking to the newest group of proud U.S. citizens at a naturalization ceremony earlier today. You know, we saw Melania, uh, you sort of hit on this at, at, at the beginning. We saw her out there today, the former First Lady. And, and I wonder, obviously this is personal, right? She came, uh, she became a U.S. citizen, uh, from Slovenia through the legal process. But I wonder, Rebecca, why she decided to go there today before the cameras and is this a preview as we start to get closer to Iowa and the general? Well, I think it probably is. I, I've always thought it was interesting since the primary season kicked off that she has been so absent. Hmm. I mean, typically speaking, you know, the person who knows you best is your spouse. And if your spouse isn't going to be up there at your rallies with you in front of the cameras vouching for you, you know, I've seen a little bit of um, 
some of Trump's political opponents bringing up this point, where's your wife, man? Where's your wife? Doesn't she support you? Isn't she behind you? Almost like she has Trump fatigue herself was sort of the, the narrative. So the fact that she's getting back out there in, on, in, on the camera, in front of the camera, I think is really important. Also, her remarks are really beautiful because Trump has such a volatile association with the immigration issue. She's right. talking about lawful immigration, assimilation, the duty of immigrants, and it's a really beautiful message. We've seen uh, in the, this week, uh, reporting from our Ali Bradley, 10 thousand plus every single day, Julia, migrants, illegal immigrants crossing at the southern border. As Rebecca said, it is the issue for Republicans, the issue for Donald Trump. Melania talking about legal immigration today. Why is she out there? Yeah, look, she is very much trying to push this message. Republicans see an opportunity in this message. This comes as Republicans in the Senate are looking to tie border funding to the Ukraine package. But going back to the venue of the National Archives itself, I couldn't help but think it was a little ironic, just given the history, the history with Trump, the doc, the classified documents coming from the National Archives. There's a fight between Donald Trump and the National Archives. Yes, and what I find interesting is that all of these appearances, none of them are just by chance. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. So I'm like, is she sending a message? I don't know. Well, let's start with she benefited from a program that her the former president, her husband, tried to dismantle when he was president on the immigration front. Timing is everything. We're having this battle or discussion, both parties, about border funding, border security. So it's not ironic as the former president continues to run a political campaign without running a traditional campaign by grabbing oxygen out of the room. And what happens? She appears at a speech. We're talking about it. He raises his name, ID, and profile. She balances him out, as you mentioned, in terms of sounding reasonable on a hot-button issue like immigration. And so it's not ironic. The challenge for the former president on an issue like immigration is trying to maintain balance. She will say one thing. He will pop back on another appearance, go back to what he knows, extremism, and voila, it's Donald Trump all over. By the way, Chris, uh, Katie Hobbs, the governor in the state of Arizona, now going to be sending the National Guard down oh. to the border there. Well, there, even, even Democrats, Democrats in swing states, no. <laughs> uh, but if I can just say sure. one corny thing. That room where the former first lady was speaking uh, is the Temple of Democracy. It's called the Temple of Democracy. And there behind her are founding documents that are be- underneath glass. And I cannot say enough how I hope every American will go into that room, will walk into that space and stand before those documents that are just words on paper and understand what her message there is and the right message that we are the ones who have to put bring those things to life and do those things. It's really inspiring. It's really a wonderful place to be. Okay. Uh, live look at the Capitol building if we can, because as we talk about immigration and, and we alluded to it here, this is the deal, the package that senators are now trying to hash out, right? Border funding, um, money for Ukraine, money for Israel. Today, and the third story I wanted to get into, um, we learned from the IDF that they accidentally shot three different hostages. Um, Hostages that were held by Hamas, a terrorist group for two months. Of course, the IDF trying to do everything that it can to get those hostages back. And let's go to last night. I mentioned within the past 24 hours, Chris Cuomo, our colleague here, of course, got a a look at the video of what happened on October 7th. He was one of a few journalists who were given a look at the video and at the images. And here was Chris as he saw it and explained it. 
Because seeing what the terror group in charge of Palestine did to the Jews and has promised to do again, how do you ask Israel to risk being vulnerable to those who do not honor agreements and have made it very clear they don't want peace. They want to burn and kill the Jews. Okay, that was part of Chris's... uh I recommend everybody watch it. It was eight, nine minutes long. Do we have the other soundbite as well? Because I also want to hear from Chris on that front. Rack it if you can and, and, and play that as well. This was not death from above. It was death in your face, hands-on and personal. They enjoyed mutilating and went back and celebrated in the streets with heads and bloody corpses as trophies. This was absolute genocide. That is a word that people are misapplying, and this is where it does apply. Even more important to the terrorists, apparently, was what they left behind. Charred reminders of a holocaust. The obvious desire to see as many Jews utterly destroyed as possible. Families melted together on purpose. Chris, we talk about often the politics here as Washington tries to put a massive package together, but that brings into the forefront where all of this started. Well, and Israel is uh, working very hard uh, to prevent international and U.S. public opinion from tipping hard against it, right? right. And every time you feel like you're at the moment where this is it, right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start going the other way. Biden talking about indiscriminate bombing, you say, oh, this is it. And then uh, is the Israelis sh- uh, sharing video like this uh, or the events that happened with the college presidents, something like that, tips it back over. So right. we're right on the knife's edge uh, when it comes to public sentiment on this. And, and that's, I'm sure, why this is out. Also, I think it's really important to point out, you, you mentioned right in the beginning that that there was this horrific accident where the IDF soldiers killed these three Israeli hostages. And I think it's important to point out that Israel immediately clarified that they were the ones that did it. They, they said that we are sorry, it's tragic. And it gets to the point that Chris was making about how the nature of Hamas, that they're trying to maximize human suffering. And part of their features of their terror campaign is that they dress in civilian clothing. So you cannot, it's very difficult to discriminate, which makes it very difficult then whenever you see civilians like you saw today and you, and the, an IDF mistake, you know, mistakenly shot them thinking that they were, um, the enemy combatants. By the way, headline, headline from Reuters here of what's been going on around the world and what we've been seeing. Reuters, quote, seven arrested in Germany, Denmark, Mark the Netherlands over suspected terrorism plots, potential plots from Hamas against Jews. We have also seen the FBI director Christopher Wray in the recent uh, days testify up on Capitol Hill that the system hasn't been blinking red like this since September 11th and the attacks leading into it. Our next guest, uh, Chris Swecker, is the former FBI assistant director, has written um, or at least has said in the recent days that the U.S. is extremely vulnerable to a quote-unquote catastrophic terrorist attack. Chris Wecker, former FBI assistant director, joins us live. Uh, Thanks for being here with us on the Hill on News Nation, sir. Appreciate the time. Can can you explain yourself and and why you feel that way? Sure. I mean, I've been in this business for 40 years, 25 active with the Bureau, and then I've, I've been involved in this field since then for 15 years. And I can tell you, I I agree with Chris Ray. This is the highest terrorist threat level. 
Namely, because we have an open border, basically, where we've had 180 known terrorists stop there. They're not coming in here because they love this country and they want an opportunity. That's 180 known terrorists who have infiltrated yep. into this country, and they're up to no good. We already had Hezbollah cells here in, Char- in, in North Carolina. We have, if you've had them in North Carolina, a case that I work personally, you have them in New York, you have them in Detroit, you have them in L.A., you have them in all the major cities. So, you know, that this, this you know, conflict in the Middle East is also stirring things up. These terrorist organizations need conflict to advance their cause. You, you, you draw, though, a straight line. And obviously nobody wants to see anything awful happen, of course. Right. But you, you draw a straight line to the southern border. Why? We got 1,700 miles of border where anybody can cross at any time, and they're coming from countries that we can't vet who they are. And that's the hard, to me, that's, that's the, the danger sign, the flashing red light, if you will, is we just don't know who's coming in. We have, okay. we have 100, close to 180 that we know are terrorists. How many got through, you know, between the border checkpoints? Yeah, Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm running short of time, but I wanted to ask you about a CBS report uh, that the U.S. terrorism watch list now has approximately 2 million people on it. It was 120,000 20 years ago, 1.1 million six years ago, and has doubled since. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's pretty shocking. It, it, I think I would attribute that to the stepped-up pace of investigation since 9-11. The FBI tra- transferred literally thousands of agents to counterterrorism. More agents working terrorism in all the agencies. You're going to find more suspected terrorists, and that's the key word there, suspected terrorists. Those people just need to be, uh, you need to be vetted as they come in. It doesn't mean they are terrorists. It means that there are people that we need to look at and take more time with and vet them more carefully when they come across the border or whenever we come across them anywhere in the country. Chris Swecker, uh, former FBI Assistant Director. Chris, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, real quick, Antoine, because I, I, I saw you um, looking at him and or listening to that, and you were a bit skeptical. Well, I think that, yes. Former that, FBI Assistant Director. Sure, no, that may be true. However, there's some other things that, that the FBI have said, like white nationalism, white supremacists has contributed to serious threats here uh, in this country. And I think that contributes to a, a surge in that list. And so we can't just look at one aspect without looking at the whole picture when we talk about why these numbers increase and why certain lists increase in certain ways. I think we have to be real careful about certain narratives we push. Not disagreeing. Okay. I'm just saying there's another side to consider. All right. Well, coming up, it is in the pockets of more than 100 million Americans and almost certainly on the phone of your kids. Lawmakers have said, let's ban TikTok, but they have done nothing about it. And now it turns out support for a ban is losing support. So what's going on here? Styrewall breaks it down on the other side of the break. And should whole milk be allowed in your kid's school? The House of Representatives the other day said yes, they voted on it overwhelmingly. But one senator is now saying, hold on. Should this even be an issue for Congress to deal with, by the way? The head of the Education Committee joins us in a bit. And The Hill, here on News Nation on a busy day, 24 minutes to 24 hours. And we got a lot to go. Stay with us. Searching for last minute gifts? Shop the last minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750 milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 
20% off gifts to celebrate the season and 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last minute deal sale at Virginia ABC in stores and online December 18th through the 21st. Please sip responsibly. When your baby starts to move, you need a diaper that can keep up. <laughs> Pampers Cruisers 360, the only diaper with no tapes and a 360 stretchy waistband for up to 100% leak-free fit. No tapes or tabs means they're easy to put on and babies have all the stretchy freedom they need to bust their wild moves. Pampers Cruisers 360, live wild and free. Tap the banner to learn more. Hello there, this is Nat King Cole wishing you all a happy and a Merry Christmas. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots. Toys, toys, toys for tots. Some have too many. Some haven't any. If those who have, give those who haven't. Oh, what a Christmas day. The Marine Reserve will help you. Will help you fill your sleigh. With lots and lots of toys for tots. So give a little toy today. Since 1947, the United States Marine Corps has been helping Santa fill his sleigh. Making happier holidays for deserving children right in your community. Go to toysfortots.org and learn how you can make a difference. This is News Nation's Adrian Bankard wishing you and yours all the joy this holiday season has to offer. Ashley Banfield and Chris Cuomo on America's fastest growing cable news network, News Nation. The viewer seems to have been lost in the shuffle of cable news lately. They don't want a team sport. They want the full picture. The appetite is greater than it has ever been for perspective, for understanding, and for information that they cannot just trust, but use. See why more people are turning to News Nation, news for all America. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. I'm Scarlett Johansson. My family relied on public assistance to help provide meals for us. These meals fueled my involvement in theater and the arts as a child, which fostered my love for acting. The Feeding America network of food banks helps millions of people put food on the table. You can join the movement to end hunger by donating, volunteering, and advocating. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Join the movement to end hunger at feedingamerica.org slash act now. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Football is the game of life. And it brings the community together. White, black, boys, girls. Flag, tackle. Football can revive communities. That's why I think, you know, football is on the right path. Community with football is very accepting and loving to people who enjoy the sport. Win or lose, they do it as a family. Futureforfootball.com Welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So at the beginning of the year, support for a ban on TikTok course, the social media app that says it has 150 million users here in the U.S. That potential ban was bipartisan. It's moving forward, maybe. But now a new survey from Pew Research says that support has collapsed. Steyerwald here to break it all down. Chris? It's rare to find something that political candidates can all agree on. Mm. Uh, but uh, take a listen to this. 
TikTok is one of the most dangerous social media apps yes, that we could have. And the sooner we ban this, the better. It's a propaganda machine, and we ought to ban it. And uh, I think it is, it is a national security threat. Now, you couldn't get Mark Warner and Josh Hawley to split a cab, uh, but there they are in agreement that TikTok must be exploded with a death laser from space or whatever it is that's supposed to happen. Uh, and for a while, it seemed like America agreed. But we have new numbers out from the Pew Research Center, and here's what they tell us. In March of this year, half of Americans said, yes, it is time to ban TikTok. And then the new numbers got saggy. They softened up. Um, now, you won't be surprised to hear that half of all teens, you know the teens, mm -hmm. they're the worst, half of all teens oppose the banning of TikTok, 50%. But how about this? Among adults who do not use TikTok, look at this number. In March, 60%, yeah, get rid of the TikTok, we hate it. But now only 47% say the same thing. But it's surely just Democrats who feel this way, right? Nope, look at the last set of numbers here. And we even have a donkey and an elephant there, so you know who is who. Uh, among Democrats, it has gone down significantly, but ten point, a 10-point drop among Republicans who get to listen to their uh, elected officials and candidates say it over and over and over again that TikTok is the devil. They've lost interest uh, to uh, some significant degree. Why? Why does this happen? And Rebecca Heinrichs, after I am done talking, is going to lacerate everything that I have said and tell us about how the Chinese Communist Party is controlling our brains. But then there's this. TikTok has been on the grind trying to convince Americans that this is okay. And they're not, they don't need to convince the young people who use it because as their numbers demonstrate, this is an extraordinary, this is the most popular uh, website basically in the United States for younger users. Uh, but trying to convince their parents and grandparents that this is not the devil incarnate. Uh, they've been on a good PR push. But here's the other thing. Look at this headline from the Wall Street Journal. How ads on your phone can aid government surveillance. So one of the things that people have talked about with TikTok and the problem with TikTok is the Chinese Communist Party has access to TikTok and they're going to be snooping on you and they're going to do this. Americans are increasingly just accepting of the fact. You, you guys remember that in the old days, you'd get a fraud. Your, your information has been compromised. You've been compromised. Your information has been compromised. This is a big deal. What should I do? Now you're like, yeah, yet again, I suppose, I suppose the data has been hacked yet again. I suppose people are looking into my stuff again and again. And I think people are, are just inured to this. And I think TikTok has become part of American life. And that is how we broke it down. Rebecca Heinrichs. Break it down. So I never thought that there was going to be a ban anyways, because you're not going to ban something that is so popular. Like elected officials are not going to do right. that. But Rebecca, well, I would you take feel the other. You, you take the national security view of it. Well, the biggest problem is ByteDance is controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. That's the, the mothership of TikTok. And so if this was an American company with cat videos that everybody was just kind of watching and enjoying, it'd be one thing. But the reason it's so bad is because the Chinese Communist Party does have access to it. And it's not just that they're hoovering up all this data. They're actually able to uh, design the algorithms based on what it is you're looking to be able to funnel in particular narratives and information to skew the views. This is why you've seen a skyrocketing support for Hamas in the United States um, be, and uh, correlating with the amount of time these young people are spending on TikTok because that's the message that um, so, certainly fits with what China would have this country believe. So let me just go down the line here real quick. 
uh, and just ask, do you think there will ever be a ban on TikTok in some form ushered in from the federal government signed by the president of the United States, no matter what the party? I think it is certainly possible. This is dynamic yes or country. No. Give me yes or no. Yes. You think it will be? Okay. Antoine? Potentially. <laughs> yes or no? All right, you two are hedging. You two are hedging. You think it ever no. happens or no? No, no. Okay. I think TikTok's yeah, I been so legitimized. So you have lawmakers, even lawmakers, right. politicians who feel the need to be on TikTok. News organizations have TikTok. It's sort of been legitimized among these stakeholders. So I don't know how you undo we were, it. Maybe we were, you can. We were at that point where it might have happened right. six months ago, and there seemed to be bipartisan agreement, and it was all happening. And then it turned out, number one, it was more popular. But also, number two, it's harder to do because it's, there's a American operations, and it got tricky, and I think probably the window. It's becoming the way people get inhale and digest the news, and it's making uh, traditional news not be so traditional anymore. So I don't see it going away, but I do see some manicure into it in the future. Well, they should inhale their news via News Nation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Coming up, uh, a board united, a campus divided, Harvard backing its president after her testimony on anti-Semitism was widely panned. So where do things go from here? And will Congress call Claudine Gay back up before them? Coming up, I'll speak with the member of Congress who could make that happen, potentially. And we'll ask her, is she going to make the request? You're watching The Hill here on News Nation. And hello, by the way, to those of you listening on Sirius XM. We're back in a few. All right, welcome back to The Hill. So did you know that this week the House of Representatives overwhelmingly passed a bill involving the milk that your children are allowed to drink in school? Now, it would allow for 2% and whole milk going forward. Here's how the Congresswoman Virginia Fox put it. If whole milk is a good option to fuel Santa's extraordinary Christmas Eve journey, then why isn't it an option for American school children in their lunchrooms. But, 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 the Senate may not be ready to drink it up. The Democrat from Michigan, Senator Debbie Stabenow, blocked quick consideration of the bill, saying it should be put up to the U.S. Department of Agriculture to decide. Lots of questions here, actually. Like, I'm thinking, should Congress be involved? Should the USDA be involved? Should it be the, the, the school districts? Like, Democrat, Republican, how do you look at this? Well, my preference is that parents are the ones that decide, but I would rather it be deliberated and from the Congress and the Department of Agriculture, which is sort of tending to wanting to, you know, ban things. And so I'm very pro-milk. So Congress (laughs) is going to be pro-milk. I'm pro-Congress's decision. Well, I think it's funny that the party who criticized the former first lady about healthy lunches are now trying to regulate milk. I also think it's funny. That well, they're the trying to get rid of sort of what Michelle Obama put in place. Well, they're still involved and right. on the government side. And this is the party who overemphasized the importance of government staying out of people's everyday lives or business. And here we are having discussions when I think the American people think that the Congress should have other priorities. Just my thought process. I'm just still a little nauseated from watching an adult man drink a giant glass <laughs> of whole milk. That was really jarring. I was not. I was not emotionally prepared for that sight. So you'll give. You'll. I'll need a minute. Are you pro milk? I, I, I'm. I'm. I, that. That didn't look like. It looked kind of room temperature. It was just very gross. And I'm just uh, Anton. I just need a minute. I, I, I had no idea that like two percent in whole milk in public schools. Like this was a congressional. I had no idea that it wasn't allowed and that they're trying to get it back in. I mean, 
I don't know what the rules are, and I don't know how states, I don't know how much flexibility states and localities have in terms of what kids can do. But generally, what I, what I have observed is that different communities have different needs and different right. desires yeah. than other places. And generally speaking, one-size-fits-all answers for schools do not work well when they come from Washington and that states and localities should have more flexibility. I said this on the show a few days ago. I think in general, if we you know, remove the politics from this, and you know, it's related because there is the milk lobby, all of that, but in general, and I, I'm genu- you say genuinely... You milk lobby's no joke, too. It's by the way. no, it's no joke. They've got Santa, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I, but I'm genuinely curious. There is so much conflicting information on milk. I don't know whether I should have oat milk or soy milk or whole milk or 2% milk, 3% milk. I don't know. I don't know what milk like is the, healthy. There's too much. It's like the scene from Forrest Gump in yeah. reverse. All the different kind of shrimp, all the different kind of milk. <laughs> yeah. uh, joining us now, the North Carolina Republican Congresswoman, Virginia Fox, who chairs the Education and Workforce Committee. Uh, you saw her there talking about all this. She's also leading the investigation of anti-Semitism on college campuses. Congresswoman, welcome back here to the Hill. You've been in the middle of a lot. Uh, they, they parodied you on Saturday Night Live, I'm sure you saw last weekend. Um, what about this? We just heard your comments. Why does Congress need to get involved? I'm going to ask you about the anti-Semitism stuff. It's important, too, obviously. But, but why does Congress need to get involved with this? Well, because Michelle Obama went on a tear to control what happens in uh, school lunchrooms and banned whole milk, which is really, really good for children. Whole milk is wonderful for children. It's got calcium and all kinds of vitamins and minerals. And it is ridiculous that whole milk has been banned from the schools. All we're doing is giving parents and students a choice. Students don't like skim milk or 1% milk. And whole milk has like 3.25% fat in it. They make it sound like it's horrendous. But you're, they allow 2% milk, but they won't allow 3.25% uh, fat in milk. Uh, my generation grew up drinking a lot of milk. Most of us grew up on farms, and we drank unpasteurized milk in addition right. to it. So milk is good for children. All right. We'll see if the Senate takes it up here uh, overwhelmingly past the House. All right. On to the committee that you chair that's made a whole lot of news, Congresswoman. In the last few weeks, Claudine Gay, the, the president of Harvard, the former president of Penn uh, and the president of MIT went before your committee, the, the viral moment with uh, your colleague, Elise Stefanik. Are you going to bring these are, are you going to bring the Congress, uh, the uh, Harvard president, Claudine Gay, back into Congress to testify again? Well, that depends on where investigation takes us, Blake. We are doing a, a strong investigation of not just Harvard Penn, uh, MIT, but Columbia, Cornell, and a lot of schools where there have been anti-Semitic demonstrations and the administrations have not reacted against those and kept their students safe. So we're going to ask you a very strong investigation. Do you want to bring her back in? I know you say that there's going to be an investigation, but I got to imagine, uh, Congresswoman, you have a feeling one way or another. Do you personally Want Claudine Gay back before your committee? Well, I don't personally want her back in, but we want to see, do we need to ask her more questions? We are going to be submitting extensive questions to the campuses in writing and expecting some answers in writing. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people, a lot of Harvard grads who would love for us 
to bring her back in and ask her a lot more questions. But um, let us see how our investigation goes. We want to do this right. We believe in doing things right. Our committee does things in a very methodical fashion. We want to get the right information to take to the American people. All right, Congresswoman, uh, Congresswoman Virginia Fox, got to leave it there. Uh, if there's movement, we'll have you on back. Have a great day. Look forward to it. Yep, of course. Um, you think they're going to bring them in again? Uh, I think you have thoughts. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, another example of government overreach. I think if the university did not want her to be in that job. Hold on, you have a problem with, do you have a problem with the hearing that took place a few weeks ago? No, I have a problem. What I'm saying is this, this continuity of bringing them back. I think that the college board decides to hire and fire presidents when members of Congress decide who hires and fi- what, uni- what a university, or who a university hires and fires. I think that's dangerous uh, because the Congress can flip. Uh, we have to be stabilizing our institutions. That's what a college board is for, to hire and fire and to govern a university. The remake is almost never as good as the original. <laughs> and Republicans had such a smash hit with that hearing and got the president of Penn fired and created all of this tumult. And it was a it was a black eye for Democrats. And so Josh Shapiro and others came out and it was this big dog pile coming out against these university presidents. And Elise Stefanik, congresswoman from New York, did it all, and nobody saw it coming, so it was this big hit. Now you can bet that members of Congress are going to want a taste of that. Well, it's also, we have an ongoing anti-Semitism problem, so I think that the issue is still very much live. Um, I hosted at Hudson Institute with friend of this program, Morgan Ortegas, uh, Senators Blackburn, Ernst, and Congresswoman Van Dyne, and Congresswoman Letlow, who was on that same committee, to talk about the anti-Semitism problem, to talk about the fact that this is still going on across college right. campuses across the country. And to bring us back to the previous segment, and if there's, anti- if there's terrorism threats, this is hmm. breeding ground for that kind of thing. So I think it's a serious, substantive issue, and I expect that Congress is going to keep tackling All right, it. coming up, shootings, carjackings, robberies, crime in Washington, D.C., on the rise. And now, well, now there's a new problem. Is the district about to lose its biggest pro sports teams? How one neighboring governor is swooping in and potentially scoring. And why did the bull cross the New Jersey train tracks? Might be one question, but how about this? Does it signal a bull run? What is all this about? That's coming up. By the way, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. I got Starwall up there. I like it. Uh, Our newsletter focusing on the presidential campaign and the world of politics. Just scan that QR code on the top right of your screen. You can also find it on our website. The Hill on News Nation. Back in a few. All right, well, D.C.'s spiking crime rate is sparking concerns about safety and all types of actions. So far this year, we've talked about this story a bunch. So far this year, overall, for example, 932 carjackings. That's uh, 77% of which, by the way, involved a gun. 259 homicides, a 34% increase over last year. And overall, a 27% increase in crime. There's been a lot of talk here about, you know, what political uh, decisions have potentially maybe led to all of that. But now there is a political storm of a much different type sweeping through the local community here in Washington right now. The NBA's Washington Wizards and the NHL's Washington Capitals could be moving from the middle of Washington to suburban Virginia, which would be a major win for Virginia and its governor, 
Glenn Youngkin. Julia, this was like a backroom, yeah. very secretive conversation for a while, and then bang, it exploded, and it caught the mayor a bit flat-footed. Absolutely. Here. I want to come at it from a personal lens and a political lens, first for the uh, political lens. Um, big win for Youngkin, especially after Youngkin had a loss of his yeah. own with yeah. the FBI headquarters going to Maryland. This will do a lot for the Potomac Yards area, Alexandria, Northern That's Virginia. That's the other side That's of the river. That's the other, other right. side of the river. Um, you know, and for Mariel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., look, she's not facing re-election. I think she's term limited. So there might not be any, you know, political repercussions for her in that sense, but definitely not the best so, look. So she's she's controversial, right? Yeah. The D.C. mayor, Bowser, fair to say. She was asked uh, the other day in all of this. So underneath the basketball arena here, there's a metro line. The metro is, is, is like the, uh, you know, underground subway. train subway, yeah, yeah. train system, right? Florida man. Florida man. <laughs> I've lived in D.C. I've lived in D.C. for two years. Out, out in Maryland. Um, and she was asked about essentially the metro stops, and this was her response. Every line goes to Gallery Place, uh, right? Red, blue, orange, and yellow. Yellow and green. Is that right? I think that's right. She didn't know. She got, she got caught flat-footed. I mean, is that... And that, that's incredibly awkward because, yeah, it is a major uh, metro hub. Um, she's probably getting mixed up with Metro Center, which isn't far from Gallery Place. But that should be an argument she yeah. has in her pocket because there are young Washingtonians like myself who aren't exactly looking forward to crossing the river. Crossing the river for us is a mental exercise. <laughs> it's a lot. So she should be able to Ford, make that Ford argument. Manchester. It just doesn't... I'm just Doing very Manchester sad. So... Uh, you're going to make a much different argument here. Go. Well, I wouldn't call the mayor controversial. Does she have her sets of challenges? Sets yes. of challenges. Okay. Uh, All right. I'll, I'll say it that way. Sarah Palin says she can see Russia from her front porch. Politicians <laughs> say things in a moment of frustration or confusion, whatever you want to call it. But you, you mentioned the backroom dealing, uh, having conversations, Yunkin and others. Uh, I think some could make an argument that this is why we need statehood in D.C. so they can have governmental representation at every single level so that when Yunkin is negotiating, D.C.'s governor or senator, whoever, is also doing the same. I said some can make the argument. (laughs) Some can make the argument. Some people are saying. saying. Tina Fey on an SNL skit that said that I can see Russia from my house acting as Sarah Palin. That wasn't her. But, But second of all, I would say, listen, Mayor Bowser has not been able to get crime under control in her city. Um, I'm I'm pulling for her. It's a tragedy. The criminals committing the acts are getting younger. And so it's creating an inhospitable place for a lot of people. And so this this is certainly on her watch and partly her fault. She's not taking care of the city on its most basic functions. And so um, she should not be surprised that she lost a major, or she is losing a major source of revenue for the city. Billionaires shaking down taxpayers for subsidies so that they can build even newer, nicer stuff is a story that happens all around the country. The important thing here is that we can hope that it's bad for the Capitals, because as a Penguins fan, I want the Capitals to lose. So <laughs> we'll take a turn somewhere. I, there I, you go. I just hope that's the net effect. All right. Well, in Elizabeth Vargas's uh, exclusive interview earlier this week with the whistleblower David Grush, he expanded on some of his theories about how and why non-human spacecraft may have crashed onto Earth. 
The actual theory itself is a bit complicated, but a famous expert will be uh, on, will be on with uh, Elizabeth tonight, breaking it all down. I think Elizabeth is here with us. Elizabeth, uh, who are you talking to? What do you expect them to say? This was obviously a big story. I got to tell you, I, I do like local radio interviews, Elizabeth, and. Um, they were asking me about the UFO stuff today in, in one of my interviews in Miami. Yeah, my uh, Twitter, sorry, Elon, I still call it my Twitter feed, has been blowing up over uh, uh, David Grush's interview that I conducted with him earlier this week. And also, obviously, the big fight on Capitol Hill, uh, yeah. where we've got uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer criticizing this watered-down defense bill with the watered-down, not the bill itself, but what's watered down are the, right. the provisions to be more transparent about what the government knows. I talked tonight to Neil deGrasse Tyson all hmm. about the controversy. Um, and, you know, listen, he's been very skeptical thus far. He's about David Grush's testimony. Um, but he says, you know, I'm a scientist. I need to see the proof. And uh, and by the way, the government should be showing us the proof. So he's in yep. agreement on that. And most surprising is he talks about the fact that he actually is pretty sure there is life out there, uh, uh, hmm. and, and, that it, and undoubtedly they've probably tried to come here. So it's, it's a fascinating interview. I know a lot of cool. people were afraid he'd just pour cold water all over David Grush's interview. Right. Uh, Twitter feed, are you listening? He doesn't. <laughs> so uh, he'll be coming up in just a few minutes. All right, Elizabeth, we'll see you in about seven minutes from now. It. Looking forward to it. Have a good show. Elizabeth Vargas Report, 6 o'clock Eastern, right here on News Nation. But before we go, is what I'm about to ask a sign of the times or a whole lot of bull? <laughs> is that right there? That right there, is that a sign of what's to come with your 401k? I'll explain. Final thoughts from the panel. Next. Tonight on News Nation, Dan's all-star panel tackles the day's biggest topics. Why a 2020 presidential rematch is so unpopular with voters. Plus, should Harvard have fired its president? And the political price Republicans could pay for impeachment. Tonight on Dan Abrams Live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so before we say goodbye, here's uh, something that caught our eye. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed today at a shade over 37,300, making it for the first time ever that the Dow closed above 37,000 heading into the weekend. Three straight days, a record close. And would you look at this? Might it be a sign on the other side of the river from Wall Street? A bull seen running down one of the New Jersey transit lines yesterday. You can see the picture there. I don't know. I was thinking you got a bull running by Wall. You know, it's the other side of the river. We got Dow 37K. Oh, what's your omen? What's your? What? Is it a good or a bad omen? You got the running of the, you got a bull running, but it was running away. So you, I don't know. I mean, all I can say is when you want it to be true, everything tells you that <laughs> it's true. Go. That's all. The oracle always works in the direction that you want it to. By work. the way, other headline: Costco today has sold a hundred million dollars worth of gold bars, one ounce gold bars, uh, selling for two thousand sixty nine dollars an ounce, and they are flying out at Costco. Can I go back to the bull? Yeah, real quick. There's no bull sitting. Ah, 
Da-da-dum. 